But Lord, we just thank you today that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for the lean in this morning and hearts that are open and expectant, ready to receive today. And Lord, I pray that we'd miss nothing, Lord God, that we'd receive all that you want from us today. Lord, I pray that you would speak revelation words to us today, specific God words to every one of us. Encourage us, build us up, strengthen us as your church here on the earth, I pray. And we ask it in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat this morning. Well, welcome to church on a Sunday morning, a rainy Sunday morning. And I've just got to say, Mika... You are a weapon. You are an absolute weapon. I was thinking about you through the week and I had this word from God for you. And it was the word capacity. And I really believe for both you and for Phil and for your family that you have incredible capacity. And it's one of those things where you look at a bodybuilder and you see a bodybuilder that is carrying great weight. They don't enjoy the time of carrying the burden. But when they put that burden down, there is a new capacity, there is a new strength that comes from that. And I believe that you've carried many weights, you've carried many burdens, and there's a strength and a capacity that God has built on the inside of you, in your spirit to be able to carry heavy things, that although it seemed like a burden at the time, it's going to become your blessing. And those things that you're carried have given you strength and capacity to carry weight for the kingdom of God. And so I see that word over your life, capacity. And so Lord, I pray right now for that word capacity, Lord God, for Mika, for Phil, Lord Jesus, and their family. I thank you for it, Lord God, that it's a word ordained by you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would feel and know that capacity. They would know the strength and the promises of God that are true in their life, that as they push forward, as they continue to build the kingdom of God, that they would know your strength, Lord God, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Everybody say money. money. You shouldn't talk about money in church, guys. <laughs> we are going to do a taboo a subject this morning. You know, I, you know, there's many different subjects that are taboo in church. Sex is one of them, a great topic I enjoy talking about. But today we're going to talk about money. Money is something we don't often talk about in church. We do an offering message and we talk about giving, but we don't necessarily talk about money. So the issue to me is that most of us, at some point in our life, at many times in our life, will struggle with the stress of money, the concern of money. Perhaps you've got a lot of money, and a lot of people say, more money, more problems, and that can be true. You could be maybe figuring out who is your real friends, who is your real family members that really want to love you and care about you because you've got all of this money. Perhaps you're on the other extreme and you're struggling to be able to pay bills, and there's the stress of money on how that's going to work. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle and you're thinking about, I just want to work hard. I just want to get to a point where I can retire and I have enough money. And there's this stress, how much is enough? Money consume, can consume so much of our life, can cause so much stress, but yet we never talk about it. We make it this issue that's a private matter. And sometimes we can suffer in silence. I actually believe that the church should be on the forefront here of talking about it. When you look at the life of Jesus, you can see many times how money was affecting his ministry. You can see many times how money affected those that were around him. You can see many times how money affected the early church. 
And yet we can oftentimes not talk about it. It's interesting to me that they say that 50% of couples who divorce do so over the contention of money. Interesting. 70% of newlyweds argue about money more than any other issue. It's one of those things where we're trying to understand it, we're trying to make sense of it, and coming together and, and getting to know somebody else that has a different perspective on money to you can be a difficult thing. There are over 2,300 verses in the Bible about money and possessions. In fact, when you look at the preachings of Jesus, they say that with his preaching, he probably preached about 15% of his time on the topic of money. That's Jesus himself. Look at the uh, parables that Jesus spoke. 11 of his 39 parables were about money. Jesus spoke about it. Why do we be quiet on the matter? Why do we say, no, that's a private matter. That's not something that I'm going to talk about. To me, money is really about the heart. Where your treasure is, your money, your possessions, there your heart will be also. Can I just say today from the outset of this series, this is a five-week series that we're going to go on an adventure with. And I want to encourage you to join us on this series every week. I know it's a big ask, I know it's a big call and the complexities and the busyness of life that we have today, but I want to encourage you, even if you can't make it on one of the Sundays, to go back and listen to the podcast or, or listen to the live stream, because this is going to be a journey that we go on. But can I just say this from the out, outset? This is not a fundraising expedition. I am not asking for the tithes and the offerings to be increased from this series. I really want you to be blessed. I want you to have a pathway to financial freedom in your life. I want you to be able to set yourself up for the generations to come. I want you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing towards other people. We have a whole bunch of compassion children that we sponsor as a church. I believe we're up to over 130 compassion children that we sponsor as a church right now. Those children are affected by money. They live in a country, they live in an environment where without us and without our help and our resource to be able to help them in that way, there's many things that they would not have. Food, clothing, some of the things that are necessities to them. In their sphere of the world, in their area of the world, money is affecting them. In our sphere of the world, money is affecting us. And can I just say this morning that money will affect you and money will affect others. Your money will affect you. And your money will affect other people. We can pray for these children in these compassion areas. We could have great prayer meetings and talk about the need. But if we don't do something, if we don't use the resource that we have, if we don't have faith and deeds, as the Bible talks about, then we are merely just having a moment of talking about somebody's need without acting acting out of a place where we can actually bring a solution. And you know what? Resource is simply that solution. Their lives are impacted and changed by us making a decision to give resource towards them. And so, yes, it is money. Yes, it is resource that we give. It is those things that actually do make a difference. And money does make a difference to our lives. It makes a difference to us, and it makes a difference to our families and those that are around and about you. Have you noticed that money chooses for you? Money chooses the car that you drive. It chooses the house that you live in, the suburb of where you are. It chooses the restaurants that you eat in. It chooses the holidays that you go on. Your money makes your choices for you. And many of us are affected by those choices. We're affected in our future and worries and concerns. Have you ever said to yourself, imagine if I just won millions of dollars. 
so much of the stress in my life would be over. Wouldn't it be nice? And it's interesting that we think like that because really we find our security sometimes in money. And if we understood, we think, oh, if I had just all of this money, all of the stresses and the worries would be gone. And I think if you had the choice of being rich and poor, you would choose to be rich. But the truth is you cannot find your identity, your security in money. You can't find your finance, you can't find your financial stability and all of your future just in money alone. We as the church, we find our security in God. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord our God, Scripture says. In the modern day context, some trust in their houses, some trust in their cars, some trust in their retirement funds. But I will trust in the name of the Lord my God. Isaiah 60 has been the scripture of our church for this year. And it says this, Your eyes will shine, in verse 5, and your heart will thrill with joy. For merchants from around the world will come to you. They will bring you the wealth of many lands. Vast caravans of camels will converge on you. The camels of Midian and Ephah. The people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense and will come worshipping the Lord. The flocks of Kedah will be given to you and the rams of Neboeth will be brought for my altars. I will accept their offerings and I will make my temple glorious. That's talking about resource. This is a prophetic scripture talked about the church of Jesus Christ. It's talking about how God will provide. He will bring resource into his kingdom so that his house will be built. So that the house of God, the people of God will not lack, but they will have overflowing abundance to be a blessing towards those that are around them. So today, it's not about where you sit financially. It's not about being embarrassed about whether you've got money or whether you don't have money. Today is about all of us understanding we can make a difference. Money will affect our lives and we can choose how we will allow it to affect our lives and how we will use it to be able to affect the lives of other people. Interestingly, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you see time and time again where money is involved. You see the person, the woman that comes up to Jesus with this Uh, perfume and starts to wash Jesus's feet with it and straight away his disciples yell out and say to him hey that money could have been used for the poor that's six weeks wages why has that been wasted and Jesus talks about hey don't worry about that don't worry about that this is a significant moment you look at the life of Jesus and you see Judas was he betrayed Jesus for 30 silver coins And in fact, when it comes to the death of Jesus Christ, one of the accusations that's leveled against him is about money. Let's read it here. It says in Luke chapter 23, verse 1, says, Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate. This is on the way towards Jesus being crucified. It says, The Roman governor, they began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government, money. And by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. Two things that they were accusing Jesus of before his death and the ultimate reason that he was, was crucified by these people were these two excuses. That he, wasn't, he was misappropriating money and secondly, that he was operating and saying that he was the authority, that his teaching was the authority because he was God. 
Isn't that the two things that the world levels as an accusation against the church today? They always talk about money. And then the second thing, the authority of the teachings of Jesus and the authority of who God is. People argue about that in our society today because we have a biblical authority. They don't respect that and they don't want to honor that because it points towards King Jesus. It's interesting that they're the two things that are leveled at the church. These are the two things that crucify Jesus and they're often the two things that people want to crucify the church on. But I just think it's powerful when we understand that and say, you know what? I'm going to live with a biblical understanding of finances and I'm going to live with a biblical understanding of the authority of Jesus Christ and what His Word says. When I understand that and I start to apply it, it changes. Someone once said this, when it comes to money, we will either worship wealth or worship with our wealth. And isn't that true? We can all make that decision to be able to do that. Proverbs 11 verse 10, before we go to a video this morning, says this, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Could it be that our finances are about actually how we could have an influence in other people's lives? That the blessing that we have can actually be a blessing towards other people? Could it be that our money could be used to glorify Jesus Christ? That when we have a real biblical understanding, a balanced understanding about money, that God could use us in a significant way as we apply the principles of God and see His hand in a supernatural way on our finances so that we can reach out and be a blessing towards other people. I really hope that this series is a great blessing to you. As we've already mentioned, we have this book called God, Money and Me. We'll have more copies available next weekend. And there's going to be a whole bunch of things we roll out with it. But I just thought it would be great today to set up the scene for this next series. And we're going to have some interviews and a whole bunch of things that will be happening over these next five weeks. But I wanted to set the scene by um, playing a video this morning from Pastor Paul DeYoung. And this is session one of this series. And he will talk to you a little bit about the overview of what this is about and some of money's myths this morning. And so prepare your heart, be ready, and let's look to the screens this morning as we look at session one. Money myths. It's so great to have you joining me as we begin section one in our curriculum around God, money, and me. And whether you're on your own in a group setting or in a church, can I encourage you to engage in all five segments because collectively they are going to unlock a financial future. It's an amazing thing to me that one of the greatest pressures we deal with in life, in fact, every day there is an issue around money. Statistically, they tell us that 50% of marriages end in divorce because of money. And as we come together we are going to discover that God has an answer for this. The enemy hates us talking about it. And I just want to say, well done for being here. But let's go all the way to the finish line. In fact, I reckon it would be great just to pray right now. Father, we thank you that you are the God that is the beginning and the end. That God, you understand who we are, you love us, and yet you have so much more for us. Help us today to have spiritual ears that hear your word to have faith in your promises, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I've heard many times, many people say, well, when it comes to money, it certainly doesn't grow on trees. Here's another thought. It doesn't come on an altar call either. I want to tell you a little bit about Marie, my wife, and my journey. I grew up in the church. In fact, I was taught from an early, very early age to give and be generous. I was taught that if I gave, a harvest would come. I'd receive financial freedom. But I remember, I think we had been married for 15 years and we constantly continued to give everything away. If there was a need in somebody that we knew in their life or situation, we'd love to give. We would give to building projects. We understood what it was to tithe, but we embraced generosity. But at the age of 38, after, as I said, being married for 15 years, it's like, God, we've got nothing. If we want to buy a home, we'll never be able to do that. Something is not right. And I felt like God take me back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's an incredible chapter. Many of the verses I had heard preached many, many times, but there was one. It was like a neon light came on as God began this journey of discovering how to create a financial future. This is what it says in verse 6. This is what I want to say. The one that sows sparingly will end up reaping sparingly. But the one who is bountiful will reap bountifully. And we had been bountifully generous. And so we agreed, but it's like, well, where's the reaping? The Bible goes on, Paul writes, he says, but make sure that your giving comes out of a purposeful heart. Don't give grudgingly or because you have to. You know, God loves a cheerful giver. Well, I'm going tick, tick, tick. And yet the breakthrough's not there. Then came verse 8, and this began a journey of discovery. It says, or Paul writes, God is able, think about this, to make all grace abound towards you. I'd like you to replace that word you with your own name, as I began to do. God, you are able to make all grace abound towards Paul. That Paul, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You know, it may surprise you as it did for me that actually this was God's benchmark for every believer. And yet I had to say, God, I don't have all sufficiency for all of the things pertaining to my life. God, I have the ability to bless others, but to have an abundance for every good work. Something's not working. Something is not coming together like it ought to. Let me give you a thought. Incomplete understandings ultimately create restricted outcomes. And I think sometimes when it comes to money, that's exactly how we live in the church. Uh, I'm quite practical. I love to use my hands. And some time ago, we were renovating our kitchen. And me coming from a Dutch background, it's kind of like I've got to get the best deal and I'm going to do the work myself. And honey, I'm going to get this done. I found online these Kitset cabinets that were perfect. And I thought, let's get them. They're cheaper than the rest, but they look good. I can do it. Got them home, unwrapped them, had everything ready to go, looking for the instructions. Finally found them, but I discovered they only had pictures on them with no written instruction. So we began to try and put them together. And after hours and hours, I'm going, I've got it together, but it doesn't look right. You know what had happened? I had put some things reverse order. I had done it. And so I had the square, but it wasn't working. I think sometimes it's like that in our lives, particularly in money. You know, we have not identified the areas where wrong thinking 
has restricted God's ability to break through in our material world. The fact is, money is a major. And in this first section of our curriculum on God, money, and me, I want to address in more detail three of the eight money myths that are in the book, God, Money, and Me. And I want to encourage you, even after today, to talk about what are some of the myths that have held your thinking and maybe are the result of why you've struggled financially. So let's get straight into it. One of the big money myths, I believe, is this, is that money is not something we should focus on. Uh, I've heard for years, actually, people say, that's the problem with the church. It just keeps talking about money. Actually, I don't think that's true. I think the church keeps talking about giving, but it doesn't address the subject of money. And so we're going to address this myth that money is something we should focus in on. Why? Because every day we feel pressure, conflict, and even compromise around things to do with money or the material world. Imagine for a moment how free you would be if money was free in your world. Imagine what you could do as a family if you have a family or as a couple if you're married. Imagine what your future could really look like if money actually was not the issue. God's verse of 2 Corinthians 9.8 was your reality. You see, money, if we don't bring focus around it, it will rule our future. We'll begin to see that. It will dictate. It will uh, direct and decide everything that's a part of who we are. Let me give you again just three thoughts. We are all disempowered if we don't have enough of it. We're distracted if we don't surrender it and the excess of it directs our thinking and decisions. Not only that, we become dominated by the control of it. And I've seen all of that. I've seen it all around me all the time. And, and really, you know, if you're a person that says, well, I don't really like a lot of focus or teaching around money, think about this. All of us love teaching in the things we're free in. So if you're free in hospitality, you love somebody that's going to encourage people to be hospitable. And I think if we're not free financially, then we are going to be limited by what we can do in building God's kingdom here on planet Earth. I want in these five sessions, the Word of God to be the base of which we form our thinking and not allow myths to rule us. Here's a couple of verses. I think Proverbs 22 and verse 7 is a great verse where it says, the rich rule over the poor, but the borrower is always servant to the lender. In other words, if you don't break through in money, you're always going to be under the control of someone. And I don't think God wants any of us to have money making life-defining decisions. God wants us to be in the driver's seat. And the enemy knows he can restrict the effect of the kingdom through our lives if we don't get a breakthrough in money. Even King David in the Old Testament, I mean, he was leading the people to build the temple of God. And I love the way that he puts it. He says this in First Chronicles 29 and verse 12, God, both riches and honor come from you. Listen to this. Both riches and honor come from you. And God, you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. This first myth is a major. Let's talk about it amongst ourselves maybe a little more that money is not something we should focus on. Yes, it is. If it's ruling us, 
We've got to find an answer to it. Another major myth would be that God's blessings are not material. Now, I know that God is bigger than our material world, and many of his blessings are supernatural and spiritual blessings. But I think our thinking is flawed if we don't put material blessing in God's blessing arena. At the beginning of time, Genesis 1, God created man and woman in his image. And I love verse 28. It says, God blessed them. In other words, whether you know it or not, God blessed you at the very beginning. And then God said to them, listen, it's a command. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Well, the enemy doesn't want that to happen. And I think the enemy has caused us to drift so far that much of the church is living under financial pressure. There's a lot of debate about the difference between poverty and prosperity. Um, And yet I believe we've got to get a real revelation from God because revelation, not information, determines our responses. And we've got to get a prosperous heart about our lives breaking through so we can become an answer to that. Remember Genesis 1, you multiply, you have dominion, you be someone that breaks through. And uh, God is able to put into our hands anything that doesn't dominate our heart. Yeah, yeah, but people say, and I've heard it said so many times, but Jesus lived poorly on the earth, didn't he? So where do you get the material blessing thing from? You know, let's go back to scripture because these myths have to have the word of God coming at them. Second Corinthians 8 in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that word rich, by the way, is that he had all things at his disposal. Yet for your sake, my sake, he became poor, that through his poverty, you may be rich. You know, again, that word rich, people say, well, that's just spiritual blessing. No, literally, that you and I would abound in material resources. We would be abundantly supplied. You know, when it comes to the prosperity thing, it's kind of like depends how you qualify prosperity. The blessing of God is what God says is the norm for all of us. And yes, Jesus, he lived a modeled life of going without. Why? Because of what we just read, that you and I, through his poverty, may see material blessing so that we would bring an answer to the world we live. And I love that. Basically, God is saying righteousness is not about living small. It's not about you and I continuing to struggle. No, it's about breaking through. You'll get to discover the catalyst scripture of all of this curriculum is 2 Corinthians 9.8. Let me read it again. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. You're not a special case. Right now, you may have struggled for years, but I've got great news. You're not a special case that you always, not some of the time, always having all sufficiency may have an abundance for every good work. I think we accept the enemy's lie that actually to live without is okay. And God says, no, it's not. In fact, prosperity is not a dirty word. It's a biblical concept. Again, you might go, yeah, I'm struggling with this. Well, let me bring... Psalm 25 and verse 12. Who is the man? And of course, we put woman there 
that fears the Lord. Him shall God teach in the way he chooses. Verse 13, he himself shall dwell in prosperity. Well, I don't believe in prosperity. It's biblical. It's how you understand it to be. And his descendants shall inherit the earth. In other words, that word prosperity is that he shall dwell in the best, in the bountiful, in the cheerful, in the favor of God so that they can inherit the earth. The enemy doesn't want us to break through in blessing. The reason is we would change the world in which we live. We'd bring an answer to need. We would break open with the purposes and the resources of God, something that could change those that don't know what we know. Let's go on to another scripture. The next scripture is Proverbs 11 and verse 10. When it goes well with the righteous, those that love God, the whole city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. Verse 11, by the blessing of the upright, a whole city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. You see, prosperity, if you understand it fully, frees you to free others. And that's why the enemy hates it. And that's why the church, I think, by and large, has lived blind for so long. And we need to understand that actually when we break through, we can bring a breakthrough to others. When it's in the right context, God's breath is all over it. Again, another great scripture is Proverbs 10:22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. In other words, it's not money gained with the wrong motive, used for the wrong purposes. But you can't argue the word rich. Again, it means natural blessing. These myths are huge. As we saw the first one, money is not something we should talk about. I think it's something we should wholeheartedly focus on. God's blessings are not material. Here's another one. This is major. That my money is a private affair. I wonder why money is the number one thing that we keep hidden from others around us. Could it be that the enemy so understands more than we understand about the power of once we bring our money situation into the light and get God's word all over it, how it's going to change everything. In fact, years ago, we were in a building program and we were encouraging people to really encourage other people by what they felt God was saying them for them to give. It wasn't kind of one of those times where, hey, we need people to give this and give that. But hey, if you get something from God, encourage friends in your world to just say that you're in and you just do whatever you want. Some people were sharing what they felt God wanted them to do. And I had somebody come to me and say, this is so wrong. You know, the Bible, the Bible says in Matthew chapter six that we shouldn't let our right hand or our left hand know what our right hand is doing when it comes to money. And that's what the Pharisees did. And I said, well, have you ever fully read the scripture? Because sometimes we get a partial truth and that becomes a myth in our thinking. Actually, Matthew 6, where the Bible says, when you do something, don't do what you do in charitable deeds to be seen by men, that you would have their glory for you. Because actually, then you'll have your reward. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And he finishes it by saying, and you can read it there in Matthew 6, verse 4, the father who sees in secret, he himself will reward you openly. See, the scripture is not about hiding our financial world. It's about motive. 
If we do things to be seen, we're already on the wrong course because that's the way the enemy plays. But it doesn't mean that our money should be hidden. In fact, I think any area of our lives that we're not breaking through, we need people's inclusion in. Uh, Over years of helping people in different areas in their lives, I go, if you constantly struggle in an area, get coaching. What does that mean? That means going to people or finding people that have broken through and can be trusted that can coach you in that area. You know, the enemy would love you to stay in a place where you don't open up your financial world that you've struggled in and cause God's blessing to come through people that understand. In fact, I would say that money and the spirit of around money, which we're going to look at, by the way, in section two, the spirit around money controls us so deeply. Money, mammon has a major root depth. Here in New Zealand, there's a grass that's a very hardy grass. In fact, where we live, our grass is made up of something called kaikuya grass, and it just grows sideways, and it all locks in together, and it's very fast-growing. It has deep root systems. Sometimes that grass ends up in the garden, and uh, like a lot of weeds, you just want to go and pull it out of the garden. You don't want it there, but every time you attempt to pull it out of the garden, it breaks off. You really never get a hold of the root system. And uh, there are some weeds that come out really easy. But for this weed, the root system is so deep, you actually have to kill it with something that kills the whole grass itself or dig right around it to get every root. I reckon money's the same. I think the enemy has lied to the church and said that money and privacy go together. I go, no, money needs exposure so that those that understand can help us and true biblical revelation can get down to the root system. You know why? Because money is all about control. The enemy uses it to control us. And yet today's decisions, here's a thought, and today's disciplines, they determine tomorrow's outcome. You might know that you need to break through in money, but you know, I wanna encourage you today that money is for all of us. We're gonna see in part three of this whole time together that it's our testing ground. Some people will go, yeah, but if I had more money, it would be so different. If, if I was just breaking through in money, it would make everything so much easier. No, I don't think so. I think today is where we've got to accept the responsibility of where we're at. In fact, money, by the way, doesn't change you. It unmasks you. So if you don't have the right understanding of money when you have little, you're going to have the wrong understanding when you have much. Again, a great scripture would be Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. God speaks and he says to the Israelites, you shall remember the Lord your God. Listen again, for it is he, it is God who gives you power to get wealth. Why? So that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers. In other words, God doesn't have a problem with breakthrough in finance. God wills it. It's God's purpose that we find financial freedom. But we must always remember God is the source and the purpose of our breakthrough. That's where prosperity is righted, is to help others. God empowers us. Maybe you feel stuck today. Maybe right now you're going, you know what, Paul, if I was really honest with you, I really haven't talked about my finances to many people. I'm here to tell you, you're not stuck. You just need to understand and unpack the fact that the enemy uses myths to lock us up with where we've been. 
there is a God way out. In fact, in our second part of this curriculum, we're going to talk about, you know, the second key to creating this pathway to financial freedom. And we're going to unlock this shocking revelation that I was never taught about in church, that when money touches my hand, it automatically gains a spirit because the enemy wants to use that money to limit me, limit what God can do through my life, limit the generations that follow me. So if you feel stuck, I know the feeling. I wind back the clock, as I said, to being 38 years of age, completely generous, always in church, always prepared to do it God's way. But I only understood a little bit of what I needed to know about how to break through. You know, can I finish with Jeremiah? Jeremiah for me is an incredible account of how God sees us and our way forward. It's chapter 17 and verse 7, and this is what Jeremiah says. Blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Then I love how God describes this person and their future. They will be like a tree planted by the waters. They will spread out their roots by the river. They will not fear when the heat comes. In other words, I'm not sure if somebody's reminded you lately, but there are tough seasons for all of us. Winter happens every 12 months. And sometimes we find ourselves, and maybe you've had almost generations of financial lack. Well, I'm beginning to say we cannot allow the lie of the enemy to hold us from breaking through into the purposes of God. We can't allow even that myth that we've got to keep this area private to stop us. No, when the heat comes, come on, our leaves will be green. And we will not be anxious even in the year of drought, nor will we ever cease from yielding fruit. That's God's word. God wants us to break through. And I tell you, when I discovered that giving alone was only a part of the answer to creating a financial freedom that I needed to know more. I was all ears. I was all in that space where God, I want to know your way to create this financial freedom. Hey, I trust today's been a great day for you. And I trust that you're going to open up many things about finances with those that are around you. Together, we're going to find a pathway through God, money and me. Thanks for joining me. How good's that? I really believe this series over these next few weeks that we're going to have together, we've got four more weeks to go after this, it just builds upon each week those principles and help us to be able to understand the Word of God and unpack it in a way that is practical, that is real, that isn't just for the rich or for the poor, but that is for all of us to truly understand how we can use our resource, how we can save, how we can be good stewards with what we've had, What I really love about this whole series is it's not just about giving. It's actually about us understanding if we can accumulate, if we can save, if we can build kind of like a, a base where we can have seed that comes out of that, it will be a blessing towards other people. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I pray today that you've been helped. I pray that you've been strengthened. I pray as you read this book and you begin to get the Word of God into your spirit, that it's going to do something on the inside of you. 
Let's have an open heart and be prepared for God to touch some places of our lives that sometimes we kind of just keep secret. Sometimes we try to, try to just keep God out of that section of our life. Let's let Him in and then allow His Word and His principles to take place. You know, we can pray all we want about it when it comes to our finances, but if we don't apply the principles of what the Word of God says, then we're not going to have the results that the promises of God says. So we can pray about it, we can ask for it, but we've also got to have an action in obedience to the Word of God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And I want to be the kind of disciple that leans into Jesus and obeys Him. So can I just clarify today that this isn't a fundraising drive. We're in a great financial position as a church. In fact, when I was thinking about this series, I was thinking about trying to shorten it down I was thinking about just trying to make it three weeks and, and, and cut bits out and, and not do it all because I was just concerned about this issue of talking about money. And as it got closer to it, I tried harder and harder and harder. And I just felt like God speaking to me. People around me kept encouraging me, if you're going to do it, go all in. And I want to be that kind of person that just goes all in. You know, we're about reaching people, raising disciples and releasing leaders. And this is such a big issue of our lives that we often don't talk about, which makes a huge difference in reaching people, in raising disciples, and releasing leaders. So let's go all in. So Lord, I pray for this word that we've heard today. I pray that it would get in our spirit, Lord God, where we've tried to perhaps keep this area of our life private, and even sometimes try to keep you out of it, God, or keep other people out of it. Lord, I pray that you would touch this part of our life. We give you permission to put your finger on this place, place in our heart. And Lord, help us to have a biblical understanding about money. When it comes to our lives, as we move forward in these next few weeks, Lord, I pray you'd speak to every one of us. You'd encourage us and challenge us and build us, Lord God, to become who you're calling us to be and to grow in this incredible area of our life. We pray and we ask it now in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. And before we finish today, we've talked about money today. But money is just a revealer of the heart. 